Happy New Year! What's going on? Welcome to Canucks Talk, the first Canucks Talk of 2024. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Trance, who also covers the team for the Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintech studio here at Rogers Arena. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650! 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Trancer. That was such a strong opening, man. I don't even oh, I've got goosebumps. I'm, I'm, was it a I'm New rested? Year's resolution? No, it wasn't. I don't do New Year's resolutions because <laughs> I, I know myself. <laughs> I know my <laughs> crippling inability to stick to it. So not gonna do it. No, I'm 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 ready, I'm rested, I'm relaxed, refreshed. I'm excited to be here at the rink to cover some uh, Canucks hockey drafts. It's going to be a big year for the Canucks. So, like, oh boy, one way or another. I mean, this is going to be a big year. And and you know, I think when we look at what's ahead, we look at a team that's you know currently fourth in the West by point percentage, but atop the the Pacific Division standings at, at the moment. Uh, they've got an opponent that they've already beat this year coming into town. The the LA Kings have a much tougher opponent. They're hosting no, the Toronto on, Maple hold Leafs on, hold tonight. Hold on, hold on. They are. Oh, you're fourth. right. You're yeah. right. You're four, they're four from the West. I'm well, just forgetting about about Winnipeg and Dallas. You think I'd say something like fourth in the West without confidence? <laughs> without knowing I was right? I was a little surprised. I was like, oh, Drance threw that out there pretty <laughs> pretty confidently. But to, to be fair, you were correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fact check. <laughs> F7 over here. <laughs> anyway, um, you know. This team is so well poised, and yet I think over this stretch of games, we've seen this team only play two, tw- two times in eleven. Like they've only played two games yeah. since we last yeah, did our last it's, show. It's been an interesting, an interesting stretch, despite the fact that they haven't played very For much. Sure. I think in part it's been interesting because they haven't played, so there's been Absolutely. kind of a vacuum of things to talk about and things to digest, right? And I, I also think it's been interesting because teams around them have all for the most part made up some of their games in hand like the the Vegas Golden Knights completely wasted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the games in hand that Vancouver had on them um the LA Kings have sort of listed a little bit right they're a 500 hockey team over their last 10 games um so you know we've seen things sort of tighten up in the Pacific Division race and and I think beneath that We've seen Edmonton continue to look terrifying. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Kraken get it together. Joey Decord yep. on an unholy heater. We'll, we'll talk to Kevin Woodley about it. It was at the, um, at the Winter, Winter Classic, Classic. Uh, in the last segment. You know, Arizona, Nashville, like, I, you know, the I never bought that the West would have, like, a playoff bar at, like, 89 points. I no. always thought you'd need to get to the mid-90s. The West has gotten its stuff together. Yeah. In the last, since we've last stuff. talked. Yes. yes. They've gotten their stuff together. <laughs> They've gotten their stuff. The PG way to put it. <laughs> Um, you know, I do think, and, and what, what you're going to see happen here over the balance, and this is something to, to bear in mind, is like teams that are safely in going to cruise control. You start trying things. You start managing mm-hmm. minutes. You're mm-hmm. looking ahead to what matters, the playoffs. Teams that are out of it start selling and, and you know, intentionally losing or at least intentionally using the, the balance of the season to, like, get their college free agents in yep. games and, and do other things. And the striver teams really heat up. Right? Like, that's going to be an interesting thing to hit. And here's another thing that happened while we were off. As a result of the win that they had right before Christmas over the San Jose Sharks, right? The Vancouver Canucks hit 49 points in 35 games. Okay? And you add 49 to 47, 
right? If you just went 500 the rest of the way, 96 points, that's you're, a playoff team you're in. every time out. So the Canucks hit that bar where you can now play 500 hockey over the balance and still be a safe, no-sweat playoff team. That's sort of the stakes of where we're at now. This is clearly a playoff-bound club. Let's get into the whiteboard first edition of 2024. All right, now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? It is your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today. As mentioned, <laughs> first edition of 2024. Mr. January 2nd. Uh, start with the headlines. Canucks playing their first game of the year before heading out on the road. And the way I would frame this one, you know, all-Canadian matchup, second matchup with Ottawa this year. Ottawa's in a really interesting place as a team and a franchise right now. We'll talk to Ian Mendez about that in the next segment. But really, I think the way I would frame this is the Canucks are looking to erase the memories of the loss to Philly. And that was the one game they played kind of in that time, that hazy time <laughs> between Christmas and New Year's. We weren't on the air. You know, we were both off. And I got to say, I was surprised at the level of negative reaction to that loss against Philadelphia. Not because I thought the Canucks played well. I don't think they did. They were outplayed by Philly, and they deserved to lose that game. And I, I can understand. You know, you're always a little frustrated when uh, a team you're a fan of loses a game. But I think the thing that surprised me is there's been so much – triumphant reaction to this Canucks team, right? Even going back to the la the game they played before Christmas against the Sharks and Kuzmenko scores, and it's a great way to cap off that part of the season and everyone's riding high. I was surprised that one game could kind of puncture that mood to the degree it seemed to. Not everyone, I'm saying, but just, you know, observing on social media, listening to the postgame show, all of that. Because the thing for me is, like, I think we all have agreed the Canucks are a good team. Now, maybe you're debating, okay, are they a great team? Are they a true contender? Are they merely good? Are they merely a safe playoff team? Whatever. But here's the thing. Wherever you put them in that category, in that spectrum, good teams lose games. Like, we're not, they're not going to go undefeated. They're not going to go on a point streak, on a 40-game point streak for the rest of the season. So, yeah, you lost to an out-of-conference team that, by the way, is playing really well under John Tortorella. It's like, okay. I, I didn't get where the, the consternation came from, and they're like, oh, that was unacceptable. How dare they? How dare they lose a game? Yeah, I, I mean, was surprised by that. I, you know what? Fair enough. I, I'm not a results guy anyway, right? Like, results don't matter a ton to me. You know, you beat the Sharks before Christmas. I'm not Yeah. I'm not sending you flowers. You lose to the Flyers, you know, with turkey legs after Christmas. I'm not panicking. Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple things that are worth unpacking in, in terms of understanding that reaction. Uh, because I do understand that reaction. And I, I'd say the first one is I still think people view Philly as, like, this rebuilding team sure. that sucks. They're, like, you mentally loop them in with, like, Columbus. And, like, right. you know, like, oh, yeah, some some crummy team from out east, yeah. right? Some crummy team that's overperforming, and you expected the Canucks to have a big response given how they played against them on the road mm -hmm, in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The Flyers control play. Flat out. The, the Flyers blanket the ice. They outwork teams. They don't need a single bounce to beat you. They just control play and they control play better than Vancouver does period and and you know I think it showed throughout the game and then their rush attack and and Philadelphia is super dangerous off the rush that's the other thing that's one thing to be aware of when you play the Flyers there's a lot of youth a lot of youthful energy a lot of legs uh they will get moving in the opposite direction and punish you against the rush and they were able to do so three times you know in, in the time it took to take a bathroom break uh, on the 28th so that's one and and here's the other you know I'm not a results guy but some results are unequal to other results. Like, 
I say the eight one win that Vancouver had in the opening game of the year against Edmonton was like more win. valuable. Massive win. More yeah. valuable than just two points because it got the season started out with a statement in this market. It it took some weight off the idea of like a good start, bad start. It was an early lead that the Canucks were able to hold against a team that they blew an early lead to mm. the season mm-hmm. prior, mm-hmm. setting off this run of games in which they were completely feckless holding a lead. Um so, you know, I, I think that was an example of, like, a result that meant more. I, now, I'm not saying the loss against Philly means more so much as a win would have. And and here's what I mean. Like, the secondary market on the 28th to get into this building was, like, 200 bucks yeah. on the secondary market. Yeah. We haven't seen prices like that in, in 10 years. Well, and there's a lot of tickets that were given as Christmas presents, right? Totally. And, you know, people really excited to go. Big special special night for that reason as well. Those college-age listeners of ours, right? They were home for the holidays, hanging mm-hmm. out with their friends. Maybe they were going to the game. Maybe they were hanging out at a bar. But either way, you know, you've spent the holidays. You've been ta- you've been riding high as a Canucks fan. Everyone in your life knows you're a Canucks fan. They're asking you about the team. They're getting yeah. excited. You know, you probably got a Canucks-related Christmas present. Um, there's this, like, hype that builds up because of how engaged you are with your community during the, uh, the, during the holidays. Um, because, you know, kids are home from school. Because people have time to sit and gather and watch sports with friends and family. So, you know, for me, it's like that was a win that could have meant a lot for a team that, frankly, right, has done real damage to its brand in this market over the course of the past 15 years, right? 10 years in anyway. Um, and, you know, the bandwagon sort of beginning to fill up, and it felt like that was one of those wins where if you'd got it, you know, you really would have started sledding downhill, as it were, uh, with that bandwagon, you know, yep. steam coming out the, the tailpipe. Um, fire coming out the tailpipe, in fact. But uh, but that sort of was an opportunity missed. And by the way, I kind of think that's an opportunity that exists for this team again tonight, right? Like, it's still the holidays. People are back at work. Kind but <laughs> Kind of. But it's still the holiday season. Yeah. You know, I expect this building to be bumping tonight. I still think this market's, like, ready to celebrate this team. And, and I think if the Canucks are able to give the fans an excuse, you're going to see, you know, the opposite reaction, this, like, elation, this, like, this team's arrived as a contender elation that you saw after the Sharks win. I think you're going to see that again. In, I get that. If they win. People want to, you know, and I think this is fair from the fan base to a degree, right, not to be satisfied with a good start to the season, right? The players mm. have talked to that, like, hey, yeah, we've played a good, you know, 35 games or whatever, but we're not satisfied with that. We want more. I understand that from the fan base as well, huh? You still want, you know, you're going to try to hold the team to a high standard and expect certain things from them, but I would say one of the incredible benefits of the start to the season and the season so far that the Canucks have had is that not every loss needs to be a disaster, Right. Look, if it gets to four, five, six, right, and they're they're in a, a really tough stretch and the points are coming, all right, then we can talk. But one game, look, they're going to lose games. They're going to have not great performances. That happens to the best team in the league, and the Canucks have put themselves in a position where dropping two points, especially to an out-of-conference opponent, frankly, because you look at it, and we've talked about this a lot. We'll talk about it more in the playoff forecast. They've done their business. They've taken care of business against teams that are theoretically chasing them in the West, right? So if that was a performance against Nashville or Minnesota, sure, maybe then I'm a little bit more concerned. But who cares? It's an Eastern Conference team. They're going to drop games. We don't, it doesn't have to be a roller coaster every time they, every time they lose a game and then win a game. That, they, they've earned, I don't want to say the benefit of the doubt necessarily, although no. I, do, I do think they've earned that over the course of this season. Well, I don't know. I'm to, not... a, to a degree. But they've earned the fact that not every loss has to be a big deal. That was my... That, I was I was just a little surprised. That's all. We'll see 
what the result is tonight and what the reaction is depending on how it goes as well. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the this team has to drop what? Like, no points in, like, 7 of 10. Yeah. Like, 7 regulation losses in 10 games before they'll even play a game that's suspenseful. Yeah. That could actually dramatically yeah. impact their playoff chances or their, or their perch in the Western Conference standings. So... This is a team that's given themselves a, a fair bit of wiggle room, and you're right. We definitely don't have to do the referendum off uh, every victory yeah. and loss. Not, but I, not but every loss is like the Bruce Boudreaux era returning. You know what I mean? Right. Or the end of the Bruce Boudreaux era returning. Well, and, and, I'd, and I'd extend that not every win means this team's a contender. I agree. You know I agree with yeah. that, right? Yeah. But I was just – I was very, very well, surprised to see that reaction this, to the loss. This is why. you got to try and work to find the, this, like – understanding of what the team's true talent level is and that's not something that's like shown in one game it's like on a continuum right and one thing i'd suggest to you is i do believe that this team's true talent level is like well beneath their results right so you know you don't want to overreact to to losses but i i do think it's worth understanding the high probability that this team will lose games at a higher rate over the balance of the season than they have to this point Sure. Like as a baseline expectation, that's I think where we should be at with this team. Uh, those are the headlines for today. We'll get more into the Ottawa side of things when we talk to Ian Mendez in the next segment. Because uh, again, as I said, lots going on with the Ottawa Senators right now. To the broadsheet, the rumor roundup section of the whiteboard. And really, the big thing to unpack here, and one of the big pieces of news that dominated conversation uh, over the break while we were off for the Canucks was the the reporting. Around Elias Pettersson. And, you know, Matt Murley, former pro hockey player, uh, reporting on Spit and Chicklets, I believe, I correct? I think it was the or, uh, Game was Notes it? Okay, it was a yeah. affiliated but not actually Chicklets. <laughs> yeah. I can't keep it straight. Look. I think it's Colby Armstrong's Sorry, I don't mean Game to uh, – Okay. Uh, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. But um, reporting that – suggesting that Elias Pettersson could be interested in going to play with Connor Bedard in Chicago. And there's that report. And, you know, Matt Murley, former pro hockey player, right – what I found more interesting was the commentary from Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, uh, but especially Friedman on the 32 thoughts podcast, kind of addressing that rumor, talking about it in general, and also kind of stating where, where what Elliot, uh, what Elliot Friedman thinks the landscape around Pedersen and the Canucks is. And, you know, Friedman called the reporting from Murley premature while also acknowledging that Murley is somebody who has gotten things, you know, has reported things accurately in the past. Uh, and then the, the the key line I thought from Elliot Friedman was, when Pedersen is ready, they're, meaning obviously the Canucks, going to throw a significantly sized bag of cash at Pedersen. And that really matches, I think, our sense of it for a while now. Which <laughs> and is Jim Rutherford's public commentary. The ball is very much in Pedersen's court. Yep. Right? And now, and you know, there was even the reporting, I believe, from Darren Drager uh, in December, which was that CAA... Patterson's agents were going to sit him down in January and kind of take him through the contract options. And, you know, you, you match that up with Friedman saying the Canucks are ready to back up the Brinks truck and give him a deal if he's ready. It seems like we're going to get to a point where in January here, where Elias Pedersen's going to have an opportunity to decide, do I want to sign a big money deal? And look, as Rutherford said, it doesn't have to be long-term could be short-term could be medium-term. They're flexible on term. Is he going to sign a deal uh, with the Canucks or, does he want to wait? And of course that's, you know, in some ways that hasn't, that dynamic hasn't changed since August, right? It's, you know, that's always been the decision confronting Elias Pettersson, but the longer we go in the season without getting a resolution, 
the more interesting it becomes, I think, right? Like, I think it's very different to be in that position when your team has had a very, very successful first few months of the season in January than it is going into the season in August. You know, Pedersen's commentary going into the season was, I'd like to wait until after the season. And, you know, my my experience dealing with Pedersen over the years, like, I think he's just pretty inflexible. I think he'd made his decision. You know, like, that. that's, that's my expectation at this point is, like, Occasionally since the Pedersen boat interview where he said, I'm going to wait until after the season, we've had blips of optimism mm-hmm. or, or sort of gurgles of updates that were really are non-updates. Like fundamentally, it doesn't seem to me like the dynamic has shifted yet. Um, you know, until I see otherwise, like my, my strong expectation is just that Pedersen's going to stick to his guns because everything I've ever seen from Pedersen is that he's pretty consistent in terms of his just like his preparation, his outlook on life. Like I think if he says I'm going to decide after the year, I, I believe him. Yeah. You know, that that's sort of where I'm at. But interesting, interesting rumors, uh, certainly interesting um, uh, reporting from uh, from Matt Murley and certainly Friedman's reaction, I, I think, left a lot for people to chew on. over. Oh, the yeah. it, it definitely wasn't, you know. It wasn't, there's nothing to this. I don't know why I got reported, right? Not that he was saying there's something to specifically that, but it, it wasn't like, oh, I wouldn't pay any attention to this whatsoever, which I thought was notable in and of itself from Elliot Freeman, yeah. right? Um, getting some commentary in, by the way. Pedersen will never produce at a $12 million level, says an unsigned texter. That is McKinnon and McDavid type money. Pedersen um, uh, will never be on that level. Listen. $12 million's ma- massively underpaying <laughs> David and McKinnon for their contributions. Mm-hmm. There's literally no AAV you can put to Pedersen that he wouldn't be full value for. I mean, that's the level of player you're talking about. Yeah, well, look how key he is to the team, right? And that's why that's why Jim Rutherford, when he's spoken about it, has not tried to, like, drive a hard bargain with Elias Pedersen because that's senseless. Of course you're not going to. You're going to keep your stud number one center in town by any means possible if that's on the table. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Let's move on. Lineup notes for today. Optional morning skate. The team has practiced quite a bit recently because they haven't had many games. Optional morning skate, though, was fascinating for a couple of reasons. Um, First off, the... the it was really a power play practice. Yeah. The Canucks power play is sputtered in a massive way. They're not generating shots at a, at a high enough level. They're not shooting a, an efficient clip to mask the fact that they're not generating shots. Like, all of the underlying optimism ab- about this team's power play has disappeared over the last month. Like, not only has the power play been bad, they've deserved it. Mm. They've, they've actually played as poorly as their results. Some shifts that we're seeing now, right, from morning skate. Pedersen in the bumper tonight. So Pedersen in the middle, which is a, b- a bit of a shift. Uh, JT Miller back to the half wall. Okay. And uh, Kuzmenko and Besser, uh, you know, down low effectively. Uh, with with that being uh, clearly a, a, a cause for preoccupation from Tockett, we'll hear his audio. Um, really, r- Some really funny scenes, though. Like, one thing that I enjoyed was uh, Quinn Hughes took – was doing some skills work and was sort of working on that, like take a guy wide, send a wrist shot across the goalie's body. Mm-hmm. We've seen him score a lot of goals like that over the course of the season. And uh, at which point Miller challenged him to do the Bedard, which is the uh, the shot uh, that he scored on Hellebuck with. And uh, Hughes was experimenting with the drag shot. Looked pretty good. Looked pretty good. I, I, I'd like to see some Bedard drag shot action out of Quinn Hughes in the wake of this. And then a hilarious sequence, like absolutely was killing myself laughing at this. Um, Rick Tockett 
Daniel and Henrik Sedin and the Canucks skills coach Yogi Slavkovsky mm-hmm. were the penalty killers working with PP1, okay? And it was Rick Tockett effectively fronting JT Miller, who had the puck, okay? And he was showing him, effectively he was arguing, he was like, if I do this and they're aggressive like this, you know, you got to go here. Yep. Um, and JT Miller instead sent a home run pass right through Rick Tockett to Brock Besser for a quality scoring chance. And, like, the Twins were losing their minds Amazing. laughing. Like, they just absolutely loved it. Um, so I really enjoyed watching that uh, sequence play out. I should mention, by the way, Wayne Gretzky taking in morning skate. Yeah, I missed that Rogers somehow. Arena. So, like, you I know, pra- sitting- practicing your power play in front of Wayne Gretzky, uh, it would be a little st- bit of a stressful scenario, although probably not for these guys, which since they are b- built very, very different. Uh, so Demko starts. Yeah. We know Demko starts. It's going to be Demko versus Anton Forsberg tonight, by the way, the goalie that the Canucks also defeated when they played Ottawa in November. Niels Hoaglander, game-time decision. I'd expect him to be out. I, I'm not sure well, why Rick Tockett wouldn't commit yeah, to it. Yeah, based on the practice lineups most recently, they had Phil Giuseppe there in that second-line role with Miller and Besser. Yeah. So that would be my expectation as well. But he wouldn't confirm his absence, yeah. And no, no Carson Susie, the other uh, note, who's back not at yet. practice. Yeah, uh, So no Susie tonight. And was at morning skate today, but yeah. won't return yet. I'd expect we see him on this upcoming road trip. I would think so. At some point, it's a long one. So there's got, they've got a lot of time to work him back in on the road. Playoff forecast, Canucks. 94% chance to make the playoffs, slightly down from 97% on our last show before the break. But as I said, that really says more about the rest of the pack, figuring things out a little. And look, the Canucks still 10 points up with games in hand on the ninth place team in the West. But you just look at that kind of ninth to 12th place chunk of teams right now. And Seattle's won five in a row. They're up above 500. How's my stock? Yeah, yeah, How's yeah. your flame he, stock, bro? The, the, the one time Drance and I communicated over the break was Drance texting me like, Seattle's playing really well right now. <laughs> it's points in seven games. Like, okay, buddy. <laughs> Uh, Edmonton has won five in a row. They're up to a 544 points percentage. Minnesota's up over 500. I don't think all three of those teams have been above 500 simultaneously at any point in the season before this, right? And look, there's still a big difference between a 514 winning percentage and where the Canucks are. So I'm not saying one. I'm not saying like, oh, they're closing the gap or anything, but they've made, they've turned their seasons around. They've become respectable, right? And, you know, again, I, I also think they've raised the floor for what, the chase pack could look like if the Canucks yeah. hit a speed bump. Now, a speed bump's not a three-game losing streak. Yeah. It's literally a, like eight in ten. Yeah. So, I mean, the Canucks would need to do a lot of damage to their playoff chances before we're even really and having I would this conversation. And I would say this road trip coming up, and, you know, pending a little bit the results of tonight's game, but then they go on a seven-game road trip. That's like, I don't want to say the last chance for a road bump to crop up, but it might be. You know what I mean? Because something has to really go off the rails. And if they survive that trip at a at a more of an acceptable rate, then you're talking about like an even more disastrous thing that has to happen. So there's just been a little bit, because of the, the rest of the Western Conference is playing better, you know, the door is still open a crack for something to go really wrong. But I think this road trip... That might be kind of last, last. I don't want to say opportunity because that sounds like a positive thing, but last real obstacle the Canucks have to clear before we're not talking. We're not putting any caveats on them being a playoff team. I mean, think of everything that had to go wrong last season for this team to be eighty-three point, uh, an eighty-three yeah. point team. Like so much, they had yeah. to have the worst goaltending in the league. They had to have yeah. key injuries. They had to have like a level of dysfunction that we've almost never seen before in this marketplace. And they still had, had an, an above five hundred point yeah. percentage. For me, at this point. You know, I, I just don't see a route for this team to miss. Period. The, the only caveat I would put would be health. But even then. Yeah. Honestly, uh, even then, like, you know, w- w- 
we, we'll get into it a little more in the next segment. But even then, I think this team has enough engines that they can lose one or two and still be carried by, like, yeah. oh, their third line and team defensive play has held them together even as, yeah. you know, an injury has cropped up here, the power plays continue to struggle, and, you know, their goaltending's been average. Like, I think they've got enough going on. Quick on the betting odds tonight. Um, yes. So the Canucks are minus 150 home favorites. Uh, Senators plus 125. The over-under is set at 6.5. And in terms of overall futures betting uh, since we last did this segment, one thing to note, plus 175 for both Vegas and L.A. in the Pacific, plus 200 for the Canucks. So Vegas is buying some mm-hmm. Canucks stock at the moment. Canucks are also now 14-1 to to win, the, to win the Stanley Cup. That's the same odds as L.A. I like the value on L.A., but <laughs> notable that the Canucks have been upgraded that significantly. Um, by the way, Rick Tockett up to plus 200 to win the Jack Adams. That's like overwhelming favorite territory yeah. at this point. And... One thing that did change for the Canucks in, in individual awards um, markets over the course of uh, the Christmas break, Connor Hellebuck up to plus 375 to win the Vesna, Demko holding at plus 350. So that's real competition. Yeah. Like it, It's really been Demko on an island for an awfully long time, and all of a sudden Connor Hellebuck, with the, with the season that the Winnipeg Jets are having, has put himself very much in the mix according to the betting market. That's the whiteboard for today, January 2nd. We'll take a break. It's the Canucks and Senators tonight at Rogers Arena. Ian Mendez from The Athletic covering Ottawa. Uh, lots to talk about with the Senators. He joins us next year on Canucks Talks Sportsnet 650.